The good news is that we've actually made it very clear as to what elements are going to be covered by this exam. Hello and welcome to the Cisco Learning Network podcast. The Cisco Certified DevNet Expert Program has just been released, and we'd like to give you everything you might need to know if you're interested or preparing for this certification exam. So first up, we're going to hear a webinar session with distinguished engineer Joe Clark and exam program manager Kurt Kleiss. Listen as Joe and Kurt talk about the DevNet Expert exam topic, starting with what might seem obvious at a first glance of the Blueprint domains. Then, they'll reveal the inconspicuous or unapparent details about this list of topics that the exam will cover. This isn't just a review of the topics covered in the exam. It's also advice and suggestions on how and what to study from the experts who actually made the exam. So, let's say You've heard the buzz. You know that there's this thing called the DevNet Expert. Maybe you're familiar with what DevNet is. You've been following the associate and the professional. And you're like, okay, I, I think I got a handle on what this DevNet Expert exam might be all about. I might assume, or you might assume, that you'd find things like Git out there, some version control. Python seems to be a common scripting language these days. Obviously, you'll, you'll want to dive into REST APIs. This is Cisco, so likely there'll be some network automation. And containers seem to be all the rage these days. We'll probably encounter some of those containers. Now, one of the advantages, though, is you don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder what's going to be on there. You don't have to think, oh, well, this seems obvious, so this is what I'm going to prepare for. The good news is that we've actually made it very clear as to what elements are going to be covered by this exam. I think one of the most interesting things I heard when we were just doing the beta for this exam is someone said, this exam showed me what I didn't know about things I thought I knew. And this is an expert level exam. There are going to be additional things that you're going to want to do, you're going to need to do to practice, to put into practice these skills in order to be effective at this exam. Joe moves next to a slide in his presentation that lists the DevNet expert exam topics and the percentage of the exam that they each occupy within the exam. From top to bottom, the DevNet expert exam topics include software design, development, and deployment at 20%, infrastructure as code at 30%, network programmability and automation at 25%, containers at 10%, and security at 15%. The exam is broken out into five different what we call domains or big buckets where you'll find stuff. You can kind of get an idea immediately of what is going to be asked on this. Joe now moves to a slide that covers the first domain, software design, development, and deployment. On this slide, we see the breakdown on what specifically will be covered in this domain. The first point of this domain reads, design a solution based on an on-premises, hybrid, or public cloud deployment considering the following factors, and then those factors are listed below. The second point is, recommend a deployment strategy to mitigate risk and impact on service availability for a given scenario. The third is, modify an existing network automation solution based on business and technical requirements. The fourth, use Git in a CI-CD development workflow. And the fifth and final point covered in this domain is troubleshoot issues with the CI-CD pipeline. And then as you go through each one, you're going to find, well, some of the things, yeah, I was right. That was obvious. I see Git there. CI-CD stands out to me as something. Kurt, what do you see here in uh, domain one around software design? What stands out to you on your, your first read through here? 
Yeah, it's funny that you mention it, design. So on the DevNet Expert exam, we have actually two modules, a design module and a DTDM module, which is the practical hands-on module. A lot of that design work is probably gonna come out of domain one. There is some other design in other domains, but this one is specifically called out software design development and deployment. So a lot of the questions on that module on the exam are gonna come from here. And this is really about how you would design a software solution. So it's gonna be scenario based. It's gonna be you working for a company and you have to perform all kinds of software design tasks. That's specifically called out in this domain. So this is really something that I see in this domain. So yeah, already you're starting to see, I have to know things, not just think of how to do it, but how would I help others? How would I instruct others to do it? How would I build this solution on paper first that I know it's going to hit some of these requirements? Joe's next slide reads Domain 2, Infrastructure as Code, 30%, and includes the 10 points that this domain covers. I won't read all of the points for this slide, but a few of them that are mentioned, which might give you an idea of what's covered, include create a scalable solution for infrastructure automation, build, manage, and operate a Python-based REST API with a web application framework, consume and use a new REST API, and create a netconf filter using XPath. And moving on, we see domain two here, near and near to my heart, RESTConf and NetConf shoot out. I may not have assumed that that's going to be on the test. REST APIs, okay, that was one of the obvious things is there. Anything just jump at you on this one, Kurt? There's a few things that scare me a little bit, but maybe that's for later, like Ansible, Terraform, NSO. Hmm. I don't know about those. The top list in this domain, really, they are the usual suspects, something you would really expect on a definite expert domain. The latter part, yeah, maybe a bit scary to me. Joe moves next to a slide titled Domain 3, Network Programmability and Automation, 25%, and displays the various points covered in this domain. Again, just a few points to give you an idea include create, modify, and troubleshoot scripts by using Python libraries and SDK documentation to automate against APIs, automate the configuration of a Cisco IOS XE network device, and deploy an application on a Cisco IOS XE device by leveraging the technologies of guest shell and application hosting. Well, in three, network programmability and automation, Yep, my guess was right. There is going to be some network automation on this test. I assume that that would be the case. But now I'm looking at this and going, hmm, I see BGP, I see OSPF up there. I'm wondering a little bit about how much networking knowledge I might have to have coming into this test. And we've said in the past, the DevNet expert isn't necessarily someone who knows every little thing or expertise in both network engineering and the automation side. So I might assume that I should be a little bit proficient in networking. Maybe if what it's asking me for is more on the automation of the configuration, I might not have to know how to design that configuration. While you should have kind of a CCNP-like network knowledge, you're going to be put in situations where you don't necessarily need to build the config yourself, but you need to know how to automate it. So yeah, I, I can see network automation plays a role and I can kind of get at the level or at least at the topics around network automation that I might need. What about you, Kurt? Anything interesting that you find here in domain three? 
I agree with you, Joe, and maybe to add to that, you don't have to be a network expert or anything. It's like Joe mentioned, professional level knowledge would be really sufficient in order to take the DevNet expert exam from a networking point of view, from software development point of view, that's something else. What else I like about this one is PyATS, something that I think is really interesting, especially because it builds upon that automation that you just did, requires you to build a testbed. So that's something I really like. Then again, the letter to scary again. The next slide that Joe moves to is titled Domain 4, Containers, 10%, and lists the four points that are covered in this domain. They include create a Docker image, including Dockerfile, package and deploy a solution by using Kubernetes, and create, consume, and troubleshoot a Docker host and bridge-based networks and integrate them with external networks. Domain four checks that box on containers I mentioned. So yeah, I assume that we would be looking at containers and sure enough, I see Docker here. So, okay, I kind of know the flavor of containers. Maybe you're thinking in your head, I've got a decent handle on Docker. I've used it before. I also see Kubernetes jumping out at me here that I might be a little less proficient in. There's going to be definitely a container element in the exam. Her? The thing I like about the domain four containers, it seems well-contained, I would say. <laughs> we get into this a little later in the conversation, but we will be talking about keywords, the verbs in the beginning of each task. So this one is really an example of how we try to contain that knowledge and try to make it very clear to the candidate what is expected. Exactly. Joe moves next to a slide that covers the final domain, domain five, security, 15%. The points that this domain cover include leverage OWASP secure coding practices into all solutions to meet given requirements, create a certificate signing request CSR by using OpenSSL, use a secret management system to secure an application, and use tokens, headers, and secrets to secure a REST API. And then the final domain five, it's security. So I'm looking at this going, security, it's the last one, maybe it's an afterthought. My gut read of this is, okay, yeah, security, I'll look at it when I get a chance. If I would see this, I would think like, hmm, it's a domain on its own, it must be important. We've gone through it once, just kind of looking at, at words, trying to see, eh, what do we know? What don't we know? We did see some things that maybe weren't necessarily standout obvious when you hear the words DevNet expert. I mentioned RESTConf, NetConf, Kurt mentioned Ansible and Terraform, NSO, PyATS. We saw CICD as a concept there and security. I kind of saw it and like, oh, okay, I'll deal with that later. Kurt pointed out, hey, it's a domain in and of itself. So we've now got a little bit more of the what is in the DevNet expert. We've got the what. We might think, okay, I know Ansible. I'd use it. I've done a little with Terraform. CICD, sure, I may have played with it. Maybe NSO, not so much. PyETS, not so much. I've heard of this NetConf, RESTConf thing. I read about it a little bit. Security everyone's talking about, but do we really know it? Do you really know it at the level that the exam is going to require you to know it at? And how would you know if you know it at that level? So now let's go back once more, but let's look a little bit closer and let's try to pull out from the exam topics or what we call the blueprint. Let's try to pull out what we can really do to study, to really know if we're getting to these elements at the right level and we're doing our due diligence 
to make sure to set us up the most possible success we can have on the DevNet Expert. So first of all, Kurt, do you want to walk us through what these percentages mean? Yeah, we didn't mention it yet, but each of those domains, they all had a percentage next to it. Well, that's the weight of the domain on the exam. And what that means is that on every version of our exams, you will get 30% of your content that will be infrastructure as a code. Will it be something you need to perform, like in the DTDM module, or will it be something on the design that really depends on how the question has been written and where the item has been developed in. So it could either be in the design or the DTDM part. But the message is that every one of those domains are as important as those percentages and will be represented on the exam as those percentages as well. Kurt also explains what DTDM stands for and what it means within the context of the exam. So DTDM stands for develop test, deploy, and maintain, which means that we're gonna test you on the full software development lifecycle. So you could get items that are more related to troubleshooting or to testing a software solution, or you could have to develop some code or you have to deploy some code, and all of that will have to be uh, dealt with into a Git environment. So let's look at each one of these domains in a little bit more detail and try to pull out some hints. Just because we're looking at a, a specific hint in one domain doesn't mean it doesn't apply to another. For domain one, one of the things in my deeper read that stood out to me is this word troubleshoot. It stood out in terms of all the other type of action verbs on this page, but there's a reason we have them there. And Kirk, do you wanna explain what people should be yeah. looking for here? What we did with a definite expert exam during the design of the exams or during the design phase of the exam itself, we looked into each of the tasks that we wanted to have on the blueprint or on the exam topics. And to make it really clear to the candidate what we wanted them to achieve on the exam, we included these verbs. So for example, troubleshoot issues with a CICD pipeline. It's really a troubleshooting item. So candidates should be prepared to troubleshoot a CICD pipeline. Recommend the de deployment strategy for a example, you are going to be asked to recommend deployment strategies for a certain case, certain scenario. So to that matter, we have different of these keywords and you will see them coming back in the blueprint over the next domains. And we'll get into that more. And remember, as an expert, even though the verb is here, the expert really has that holistic look of what is required to get to the troubleshooting part. So just because you're troubleshooting doesn't mean that you're not going to be asked to fill in additional details. You might be asked to design, you might be asked to put forward your thoughts into areas like CICD. So that's that expert component as well. And domain two, the thing that stands out to me is the level. It's when I look at some of these blueprint items, I see that there's the task, the number task, and then some of them have these subtasks. And that refines the knowledge or the level that you have to know something. Ansible in particular, we're going to take a look at in a demo towards the end here to kind of understand what the preparation and the studying looks like. But when you look at this, you might think, oh, I know Ansible, but have you really done all of this stuff with Ansible? Likewise, have you really done all of this stuff with Terraform? Given a scenario, would you be able to effectively, from experience, be able to execute, be able to create, be able to use? Kurt, would you have to necessarily, would you be guaranteed to do each and every one of these things on an exam? No. 
depends on the exam version. It could be that there is an exam where there is a lot more required from you and that more of those subtasks need to be matched in an item or in a task. But it could well be a question that's only about loop control in Ansible and that's it. It really depends on which exam version you will have and what the other content on the exam is. So we distribute the content evenly according to the domain percentages and it really depends on how the content has been written. So you don't necessarily need to, will have every single subtask on the exam. It could be one, it could be two or even more. And that's the key. You have to come ready for each one of these. In domain three, two things stand out. One, there's the telemetry thing. Kurt, you said it was a little scary to you. There's knowing something like telemetry. I've heard of this. It's, it's about getting data. It's about the network pushing you data. And then there's knowing it at the expert level, being able to effectively make use of telemetry and know it at what these sub bullets represent. So there is, again, that expert level of knowledge of using and relying on your experience to pull that in. And likewise, something unique here in domain three, 3.1. So there's a reason why all of these solutions or products are named here in those parentheses. It's not necessarily that, just like Kurt mentioned on the previous slide, that you're going to encounter all of these, but you should be preparing. You should be practicing using some of these. If they're on the blueprint, if there's something listed here, you should be able to say, what is my level of knowledge here? Do I have that expert level of knowledge for, in this example, to be able to create and modify and troubleshoot scripts relative to those solutions? You see, you have a lot of Cisco products in there, and I can see ACI, DNA Center, Meraki, NSO, WebEx, and you don't have to know them all. I would say you have to be prepared for the exam. You will have to be prepared to automate against the APIs of these products. And also some people that have a DC background, a data center background will be better in ACI, so they will be better at solving that automation question against ACI. Others will be better at iOS XE if you're coming from an enterprise background. Also, the documentation will be readily available. So we have built a lot of documentation for candidates to be able to access during the exam. So you will have access to the Cisco docs. You will have access to the developer.cisco.com docs. And you will have access to external documentation that we have also made available for candidates. So it's not that we leave you alone and you have to figure it out all yourself. We do have some resources available. Absolutely. Domain 4 has got more of those subtasks around containers, and we'll look at an example of this. But something to keep in mind is what, Kurt, you mentioned in the beginning of this section, is those percentages. There is a lot, potentially, that you might be asked to do, but ultimately it's 10% of the exam. There might be things, as kind of a tip or a hint, there might be things as you go through the exam topics, the blueprint, that you're not as comfortable with. And you can balance out what you know, what you're able to practice, what you're able to get in, and think that there are some things, well, maybe I'm not going to be as deep in here, but I'm going to be very, very deep in these other areas. That's why the percentages are there. One of the reasons, I should say, it gives you an idea of the volume, the magnitude, that these different elements will play in the ultimate exam. Yeah, exactly. And it reminds me of one thing that one of my former colleagues always mentioned in, in one of his Cisco Life presentations. Know what you don't know. If you know what you don't know, you can build yourself a strategy to go to the exam and you can 
pick and choose items that you want to do that you're really good at and keep the difficult ones or the ones you're not familiar with until the end and build yourself a strategy that will work for you on the exam. That's excellent advice. Yes, the blueprint is also a great guideline for your training. And we put together a lot of relative or uh, relevant, I should say, training to each one of these items. Our last domain is security. Security actually has a warm and fuzzy spot in my heart. So I come from a network operations and management background and security was always like the bane of our existence. We want to be able to get data, but security wants to be able to put up firewalls and access lists, keep SNMP from going here or something like that. Over time, I got to appreciate security. As an engineer, I think we have a tendency to want to get things done and want to get things working quickly. And that might mean some corner cutting. So I would recommend that when you look at this and you think, huh, I need to be able to leverage OWASP, secure coding practices into all solutions to meet requirements. And I look at some of these things and I'm thinking, when I'm practicing, am I putting security first in what I do? Do I think about, well, how am I handling this data? Or how am I allowing certain aspects or features to be able to be accessed by other users? So those are the types of things that as you practice and as you build experience, security must be foremost in your mind. It's not just about making code work. It's about making code work in such a way that it can be long-term. It can be scalable and replicable and you're not going to be opening yourself up to vulnerability. So part of what's in this exam, and the reason, Kurt, why you mentioned it's a domain by itself and a domain worth 15%, is because security, as we all know, we look at all these cyber attacks that are happening, security is very relevant, very pertinent today. I just want to highlight, it is a very important topic. That's why we made it a domain of itself. We could have done something else and said like, we're going to do security keywords here and there in the domain, but then we wouldn't really have control over the percentage of security that would be on the exam. Now we do, we have security on the exam and it's worth 15% of your points on the exam. So it's important. Great point. So now we've gone through the blueprint in a little bit more depth. We've read through some of the sub bullets. We've kind of understood the percentages and how that applies to each one of the domains. We've identified the verbs, the level at which we're going to be tested on some of these things. So now that you've gone through this a little bit, I encourage you to continue to read it, reread it as you're studying. Make sure you're studying at that right level and doing the right things. Think, what are you most worried about? And I love, Kurt, how you set out that using the blueprint to plan your training. So what are you going to prioritize? What are those things that stand out to you that you're going to need to work on most? Maybe it is telemetry or maybe it's Cisco NSO. For me, it would probably almost certainly be Kubernetes. So maybe it's one of the things, the what, what are we going to be tested on? Or maybe it's, I know all of this, I've, I've used it or I've read about it, I've taken a lab or a course on it, but I don't necessarily know that I'm expert level in these things. And that goes back again to that beta, that, that very illuminating thought of, I didn't know how much I didn't know about something I thought I knew. And it's how do we prepare at that expert level? What are those things that we want to do to be able to get ready for this exam?
That's it for this episode with Joe and Kurt diving into the exam topics and blueprint for the Cisco DevNet Expert exam. If you're interested in the rest of the webinar this audio was pulled from, please visit the Cisco Learning Network at www.ciscolearningnetwork.com. We definitely recommend you check out the rest of this session as Joe walks through a visual demonstration of what the candidate workstation environment is like. We provide an image that gives you the exact desktop. This is the exact desktop that you will get when you're sitting for the DevNet Expert. In our next episode, we will continue talking about the DevNet Expert certification by bringing you questions from a recent Ask Me Anything on the Cisco Learning Network with all of the experts that work to craft this new exam and certification track. Finally, please be sure to subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast to hear more news and stories of others who are working towards earning their certifications. Thanks for listening. Thank you.